The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Pregame Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. You give us an hour, and we're going to get you prepared for Thursday's Pop Tarts Bowl between Kansas State and NC State down in beautiful Orlando. Two of the members of the Go Power Cat staff, Zach Carlson and Cole Carmody, are down in Orlando to cover the game, but the four of us are stranded behind, and we're going to be watching from home just like most of you. So uh, if you enjoy this pregame podcast, remember this. All four of us, plus maybe some surprise guests, will be having a Fitzcast on Thursday. We're going to watch the game from our own devices. We can't broadcast it naturally. And we'll talk through the game, providing commentary, having some fun with it, maybe some guests, all throughout the Pop-Tarts Bowl. That broadcast starts at 4.30 p.m. Central on Thursday. The game kicks at 4.45. I hope you join us. But today, our focus is on getting you ready for the Pop-Tarts Bowl. And the lineup is as usual. Brian Hanley will start us off. The former Kansas State offensive lineman played on those incredible 97 and 98 K-State teams. Had a little sip of coffee in the NFL before settling into his life in Frisco, Texas, and now serving as one of our football analysts at Go Power Cat. Brian is on the road, but he made time to join us over these holidays. And then Ryan Wallace will pop in with a really in-depth scout of NC State. He does this every week. He gets us so ready for the opponent. It's absolutely amazing. And uh, he's still currently watching video as he's returned from his holidays with family. And then we wrap it up, as we always do, with Ryan Gilbert talking about the sports betting lines and maybe some of those prop bets out there for the game that uh, might be available if they are. He has some advice on that. And we'll also take a look at one other Big 12 bowl game and then, of course, the college football playoff semifinals that are coming up a little bit later this this week. Or is it next week? I'm so confused. And remember, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Pyrocat pregame podcast. Did I forget to mention we're going to have Cooper Beebe on a little bit later? We recorded something really good with him before they left the bowl game. We'll sneak that into the third segment also. But now let's get going with your Pyrocat pregame podcast with our first guest. And now let's bring in Brian Hanley, uh, the road version, as he travels, <laughs> missing his studio. Brian, how are you doing this morning? How was your Christmas? It was good. It was good. Got to see a lot of family that I hadn't seen in a little bit. So had a good time, man. I'm having some fun. 
That's awesome. It's that time of year, but it's also that time of year for bowl games. And believe it or not, the the Cats and the Wolfpack are just a few days away as we record this. Um, and the bowl situation has changed so much. I mean, with so many guys in the transfer portal and opt-outs and, you know, back back in the day, a couple old farts talking about football, you played the bowl game. It was part of your schedule. You didn't yeah. ever imagine backing out of a game like this. But it makes predicting games like this so difficult. Kansas State's missing its starting quarterback for most of the season. I don't know that everyone is overly concerned until they see what happens with Avery Johnson. NC State's missing their All-American linebacker who is just purely dominant. Uh, It's a weird world in which we live, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Times have changed, and I'm always a person that, that I'm never afraid of change. I may not like it, but I always say, you know what, it's better to to embrace change and change with it, especially when it's not going to go back to the way things were before, so always look ahead. But it's just weird not having guys play in bowl games. Look, and it, it all started with, with Jalen Smith from Notre Dame getting hurt that in that Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. His career was never the same. I mean, he damaged nerves in his knee. So I understand, but it's just, man, I, I don't know. It just as a former player, I just couldn't imagine not playing the last game of my college career yeah. with the guys that I had practiced with and cried and, and all, you know, all the cliches, all that stuff. It just seems weird not to do it. But on the flip side, I get it fits. It's a lot of money for some of these guys at stake, man. I just, I don't begrudge anybody for not risking that. I just don't because if you're telling me I can make $15 million by not playing in a football game, I don't think I'm going to play in that football game. That's yeah. just me. I, I would not do I, If you tell me I can make $15 million not breathing for the day, I'd give it a shot. <laughs> I'd give it a shot. Uh, it is interesting because, you know, this impacts – games such as this you know non-new Year's games but we're even seeing it with the playoff we've got some people bailing out of the playoff and i'm just like befuddled by that but uh some guys are going into the portal and they need to get going with that i get it um but it makes games like this pop tarts bowl extremely hard to prognosticate and and break down uh so you and i let's focus on kansas state and where this team's at and let's start with Avery Johnson and this offense because Avery's young. I mean, he's a true freshman. Uh, everyone in the program knows he's the guy going forward. I mean, he's made that obvious in practice and what little playing time he's had. But he's not going it alone in this game. He's got a veteran offensive line. And I've got a follow-up question to this if I remember it because you know how my brain works nowadays. Uh, but uh, – that, that offensive line in a bowl game can help a young quarterback awful lot, can it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think him uh, being able to play behind a veteran offensive line, number one, him doing it earlier in the season gives him quite an advantage. But in a bowl game like this where, you know, a lot of teams, NC State, K-State as well, are going to be playing a lot of young guys, get them out there, get them experience, get them exposure to, you know, a different type of atmosphere. That can do nothing but help. And for him to be able to play behind that, I it, it mean, it's, it's, it's almost a kickstart into next season, even right. though a lot of these guys aren't going to be back. But just for you to be able to get out there and be comfortable, because that's what we want to see Avery do is get out there, play football, but be comfortable in doing so. Not that you're ever totally comfortable in a football game anyway, but to be out, be able to be out there and think, okay, you know what? This guy's going to block this guy so I can make my read here, or he's going to block this guy so I can cut here. It, it just makes things easier for him. Not that, I'm not saying that the game's easy, so I don't want people to, yeah. to misunderstand me, but it, it, it's going to make the game easier for him to be able to play behind an offensive line like that. I, I would agree. Um, and as a follow-up to that, Cotter Riley, the interim offensive coordinator and offensive line coach, said something really interesting uh, to our guys when uh, they spoke to him on uh, Christmas Eve, I guess, during the day, and that because of his added duties with calling plays, he's going to the press box. I did my daily delivery on this. I find this so interesting. 
And he basically said, I've had to spend a lot of time away from my offensive line, and they're so veteran. Of course, Cooper Beebe, All-American, senior, been around, done that. It's going to be a first-round pick or second-round pick in all likelihood. Um, He said, I just let them kind of handle it themselves, and they're great about it. It's okay. Okay. I mean, that's just the bold <laughs> environment. Yeah. Uh, the, the guys are veteran. They're going to have to take care of some stuff while I'm up in the press box. And I, I'm sure there's, you know, analysts and uh, grad assistants and stuff to help out. But I just thought it was amazing. Hey, hey guys, we got a big bowl game. Uh, coach yourselves. I just, I loved it. I, I loved it. it might blow up on him, but I, it's really unique, isn't it? It is. Um, I will say this as an offensive lineman, uh, I mean, you're not having that many conversations with your coach. I mean, they're they're drawing up some stuff. Hey, you didn't block this right. You didn't block that right. But it doesn't happen that often. So, but when you're dealing with such a veteran group, fits. I mean, those guys know what's going on. Again, like you said, they'll have maybe an analyst or a GA over there drawing up. Hey, we're we're gonna do this, or if they showed this front you know, we are going to block it this way, that way. But those guys have seen a lot. They played a lot of football. They played a lot of football together. So that, I think that helps. Uh, it just, yeah, I mean, you need coaching. Don't get me wrong. Everybody needs coaching. But when you get to this level at this last game, I think those guys can handle it. Yeah, and if they need to talk to someone, they'll just put their offensive coordinator or coach on the horn. I thought it was really interesting to me. Um, receivers, uh, like running back, we've got DJ Giddens returning for the Cats. I mean, there's there's no real issue there. Other than if he gets injured, you're going to have a bunch of freshmen running around, but that's okay. Uh, that's kind of the nature of this game. Not okay, he's injured. But um, tight end, you've got the Oakley-Swanson combo back, even though Ben Sennett is declared and is sitting this one out. That's a big loss. Uh, receivers, you've had some change there, and they're going to go to younger guys. Uh, and with that one, I'm like, good. Okay. Um, I, I just, I'm excited to see what these offensive weapons can do with Avery Johnson out there, because this will look more like the team we'll see next year. I mean, most of his weapons, uh, are, are young guys or guys that will be returning. So I'm eager to see what, how this unveils itself. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm, I'm super excited to see it because I know for a lot of years myself have called for K-State to play younger guys if they're capable of playing. I think as a big time program like we are, you have to get younger and get guys out on the field at an earlier age, especially with the transfer portal era. Because if guys sit for a year, maybe a year or two, then if they don't get to play as much as they think they should play, then they leave. You know, and K-State doesn't need to be a developmental program for somebody else to come in. That's not what K-State is. K-State, it it will be fine. But sometimes you have to recruit a guy that can go out there and play right away and getting in a big-time bowl game that's going to be on TV. Maybe they haven't played a whole lot all year. But you know what? Sometimes, Fitz, you know how kids can be. You get out in a bowl game and it's on national television where it's the only game on. If you want to watch football, you got to watch Kansas State. And whether they play good or bad, sometimes that really doesn't matter. Get those guys out on the field and see what they can do. It's exciting for them. It's exciting for their family. And those are the people that are important to these young kids. So I just think it's a great thing getting those guys out there. And like I said before, getting them out there, Sometimes they rise to the occasion, and that's what I really want to see because I think we've got some of that in the locker room there. Yep, I I would agree with that. Um, I think everyone is excited to see guys like Trey Spivey at receiver who haven't played a whole lot, but he flashed a few times on the field. We will find out about these weapons probably fairly quickly in this game. Uh, Flipping it over to the defensive side, um, a few key pieces are gone. We understand that Nate Matlack cuts into the depth at the end. I'll be really honest here. I'm eager to see some of the young guys. I mean, they've just got some young guys that I feel like have been, you know, almost held back, like that guy that wants to go, 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 and you can't can't get at it. Uh, now some playing time has been cleared. Kobe Savage on the back end is a is a serious loss. I mean, combine that with Will Lee at corner, um, if, you know, you're concerned about that. But at safety in particular, we're going to see some really young guys, some guys that have played, Uh, But one guy that the coaches are raving about who hit his four-game limit, now bowl games don't count in that, which has been a great benefit. In fact, fact, bowl games don't count at all, basically, in your eligibility, which is wonderful. Um, 
Jack Fabris, I think we'll see quite a bit at, at safety. Uh, again, D-end, safety, big losses, great young talent. And let's just see where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the key is getting these guys out there on the field and see what they can do, man. I'm super excited. I know a lot of people are worried and maybe a little bit nervous that we're playing all these young guys, but that's what these bowl games nowadays, that's literally what they're for is to get these guys out there. So it's kind of what you said. Some of the talent that we have, it's, yeah, they're being held back and and other guys are just – I think I think as we evolve and K-State moves forward, Fitz, I think that we're going to be a program that plays younger guys. Right. And guys are going to start getting on the field because they're going to be capable of getting on the field at a lot sooner age, a lot of quicker time. And, and bowl games like this will be critical to that development. Yep, I would agree with that. Um, some young guys raring to go, and they're going to get to go in the Pop-Tarts yeah. Bowl on December 28th against NC State. Um, uh, Brian, I, I, I think now that they have to lean into the youth, they have to do this out of necessity. I'm oddly almost more excited about this game now than I was before. I knew Will Howard wouldn't be around. We knew that before kickoff that last game. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm oddly just, I'm, I'm fired up to see this just because I'm so curious. I think a lot of K-Staters are, should we manage our expectations? Because of course we think, Oh, they're playing the young guys. They're going to be awesome. They're just going to be flawless. They're going to be great. But in reality, they're going to make young guys stupid mistakes throughout the game. Uh, We're going to have some mistakes that we witness. Uh, But you just got to live and learn and grow with it, don't you? Yeah, you do. You know, and that's part of playing young guys is that you're going to have make some mistakes. They're going to be in places where they're not supposed to be. Uh, they're going to line up wrong from time to time. But I think that's just things you just have to learn to live with and get through. Uh, it's good that it's happening in a bowl game. Uh, and, and a bowl game is a great opportunity for guys to uh, – I, I don't want to say just – throwing them out there, but it's a great way to get them experience in something that isn't going to necessarily cost you a conference title, if that makes sense. Bowl game is a great way to get some experience, get playing time, go through some of those growing pains, and then hit the ground running in spring ball and then next year. Yep, I agree. It's going to be a very entertaining game when the Cats meet the Wolfpack. Um, And, you know, there's just so many layers here that – make this so interesting but i've never had a bowl game kind of sneak up on me like this one and maybe it's because typically i'm at the bowl game uh but this one i think for fans out there has quietly kind of snuck up um because of where it was placed you're all wrapped up in your christmas eve christmas day and you come out and like oh the game's what what three two days away three days away depending on how you do the math it's it's just it's kind of interesting how this one fell on the calendar i'm glad this isn't a 26 uh, december 26 bowl because that that stinks uh, that's horrible i don't know how this that's bad for fans but that's the nature of the day in which we live now another interesting thing to come out of bowl prep and out of signing day was chris Kleiman uh admitting something that nate matlack brought up in his exit interview when he said i'm going to the portal because i'm too light to play this three-man front i need to get to a four-man front or a true NFL style three, four, uh, four that I'm going to be an outside linebacker. That's a standup. Um, they're trying to go heavier at one defensive end spot. That has been an emphasis now in recruiting. I think Jonathan Banks will probably move out to DN for next season. Uh, and I do think at times though, having two light defensive ends in a three man front really costs the cats. Um, yeah. and, and then as this season unveiled itself, Without a Felix Andy D.K. Uzama who could just make things happen, they weren't getting the pressure they need. So now the emphasis in a little bit more size and a little bit more ability to get pressure on the quarterback. I like it. I think it was really necessary. I think we all saw the problems that having those light DNs brought up. Well, the one thing, yeah, when you have light defensive ends, teams can run off tackle. And when they run off tackle, they basically double team at the point of attack and just push those guys around. And it's not that the guys aren't trying – but if, you, if you're light in the pants, there's not a whole lot that you can do about that. And so that, that makes a difference. And then when it comes time to rushing the passers, look, tackles these days are athletic guys. 
even though they're big. And yes, it's true that defensive ends are always going to be more athletic. But if a tackle gets their hands on you and you're 250 pounds, you're not winning. That's just not the way that it works in in big time college football anymore. You are getting whipped. And so you got to get bigger at those positions. If this is the defense that you're going to play, then yes, you have to be bigger. You have to be more, more athletic. You have to be more physical. That's just the way that it is. And K-State going to this pitch, you're completely correct. It's going to make the defense better. It's just going to make them better because they're going to be bigger, more stout at the point of attack. Teams aren't going to be able to to double team and drive a guy and then get to the second level. All those things. I'm not saying it will never happen, but for the most part, you can stop that kind of stuff. If you can slow a double team down off tackle uh, or pinch down inside and maybe stun a, a guard from being able to get to the second level, you're doing your job. At 235, 240 pounds, you can't do that. You, you're just too light. And then Matt Lack was 100% correct. And that defense, you're just too small to do that. So I like what K-State – if this is the defense we're sticking with, which it looks like that we are, yeah, and, and they should. I mean, hey, we're, start recruiting to it. So I, I think it's great. I think it's great. It's going to help. Those offensive tackles look at those light defensive ends as ham sandwiches, and once you're in yeah. their grasp, <laughs> you're, you're not escaping their grasp. Um, now, they've had some announcements. We, we talk a lot about the transfer portal going out, but they've had some announcements of, you know, as we start to run out of uh, the opportunities for super seniors because of the COVID season sitting in their back pocket. But Austin Moore at linebackers coming back, Uso at nose tackle, Vernon Mott at defensive end one of those light dns who um you know will remain in that position they'll they'll leave him out there i can guarantee that yeah those guys are all coming back um and next year it's going to be the defense that has some some experience to it um this has been a big advantage for programs like k-state to have these super seniors guys let's be honest all three of them i don't think will play in the league uso might be the one that has a chance just based on his, his speed and 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 size but uh, overall, this is a great opportunity for guys like Austin Moore, who's not going to make it in the league, I don't think. And I'm not insulting him. I just don't think he's got the size and speed combination. He's a great college linebacker. Uh, he's going to walk out of school with a master's, maybe some PhD work, and a fun career. It's a really interesting opportunity, but it's coming to an end for programs like K-State. You're going to run out of super seniors here real quick. Yeah, um, and and – the thing about it is, Fitz, a lot of people get caught up in, well, you're not going to the league. What are you doing? I'm like, well, first of all, what's wrong with playing college football and being really good at college football? The, the last time I checked, that's a good thing. It's okay to just be good in college football. Everybody can't make it to the NFL, man. And even if you don't make it to the NFL, you know how many guys are really, really good in college but just don't make it in the NFL. There's lit. I mean, the, the world is littered with that and that's okay. And these super seniors that are out there are just saying, man, I love playing football. I want to play at Kansas state. I want to continue to play as long as they'll let me have eligibility. I mean, and we've seen it with other teams. People are out there playing seven years and now seven and eight years. I think that's going a little bit overboard, but you know, these super seniors with the six years, Hey, COVID happened. I mean, that was a real thing. Give these guys an opportunity to continue to play. I love it. Uh, It'll be running out and it will be, I don't think it's necessarily a problem. We'll just have to change some things as far as recruiting because everybody's going to go through the same thing because people that are even getting guys fits in the transfer portal, they're not going to be able to go get a guy that's, that's been there somewhere for six years and then are coming to your program. So it'll be an adjustment for everybody. K-State will be the same. But I think it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Yep. One out, out uh, lying mystery here is Daniel Green. Speaking of seventh-year guys, he's apparently got a medical hardship. He can exercise. He's still with the team. He would be one of those seven-year guys. The only remaining Bill Snyder player on this roster. It's kind of it's incredible. We're in year five of Chris Kleiman, and the dude might be coming back for one more. But we'll find out about that. I'm guessing after the semester starts and the transfer portal's closed. That's, that's yeah. what I'm, I'm guessing we'll find out about that. Brian, thank you very much. Uh, safe travels back to Frisco, and I uh, appreciate it. And you will be part of the Fitzcast game day. Yes. Uh, in fact, I didn't even plan it this way, but it's the entire pregame crew hanging out. We're going to try to book some other people to pop in and hang, without, hang out with us for a quarter. 
hopefully it'll be fun. Hopefully it'll be an entertaining game. I sure am excited to see what these young guys can do. Absolutely. Can't wait. And I appreciate it, man. It's going to be a good game. That's it for this segment of the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. On the other side, Brian Wallace will dig into the Wolfpack. He's been watching his games. He's been mixing in opening presents with the kids with watching some scouting video. Ah, bowl season is here. And we'll be right back. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pre-Game Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Fitz, the leader of this festival of information. I don't know why I called it that. Brian Hanley did a terrific job breaking down the Wildcats and how they've been preparing for this game. And in a second, we're going to bring in our own Ryan Wallace to discuss NC State and some of his thoughts on the Cats, too, of course. And I know Wally always does a great job breaking down everything for us on our pregame podcast. And, of course, we got Cooper Beebe awaiting and, and Ryan Gilbert to finish up the show in just a bit. But remember, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat. will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now it's time to bring in Ryan Wallace. He's been part of this team for a very long time. We appreciate him carving out some time on the holidays to help us prepare for the Pop-Tarts Bowl. And now we bring in Ryan Wallace. He handles football recruiting for us at Go PowerCat. Been a little busy, and he's squeezing <laughs> some time to prepare for NC State and K-State. Wally, this has been chaotic. I mean, I... I know it has been for the coaches trying to wrap up recruiting, manage the transfer portal, get ready for a bowl game. Uh, in the case of Chris Clement, still trying to find a quarterback's coach. Uh, it's been nuts, but even for us, I mean, this game falling three days after Christmas, trying to get this recorded has been uh, a little bit challenging. Brian joined us from Louisville. I had to do gills before he left town for the holidays, and now you've returned. You're the yeah. most live person we've had. You're in yeah. the right place at the right time. And we're doing this on the day we release the video. So this information's fresh off the Wally tree, right? Yeah. I mean, you had to wait on me to get back from Wichita because I was down there. And now I'm only here in Kansas City for a couple days right after we record our Fitz cast for the Pop-Tarts Bowl. I'm back on the road to St. Louis for New Year's Eve. So wow. yeah, I mean, a lot of, lot of moving parts for us. And then, yeah, you mentioned it with K-State, the recruiting stuff. Uh, roster management, you know, who's going into the transfer, who do they need out of the transfer portal, breaking in a new quarterback, breaking in a new offensive coordinator fits. It's uh, it's too much to do. I, You know, normally I'm, I'm definitely in the camp of like, you know, these these coaches get paid enough, right? You know, these these players have enough um, invested, right, as as now paid athletes in some cases. But this is this is overkill. This they they got to do something about the month of December. That's crazy. And with that, I don't know how either team will be prepared. I mean, honestly, it seems like uh, K State didn't really go into serious preparations for this game until it was, you know, basically a, a week out, just like any other game week. It's not like they had extra preparation time. They had some practice time, and uh, but Chris Kleiman wasn't even there a lot of the time as that ramped up. But once they got into game week, they got very serious. They went to Orlando. They've been preparing. Of course, uh, Cole Carmody and Zach Carlson are there for us. Uh, but first, before we get to NC State and you dig in deep, give me your thoughts on what we might see from K-State and Avery Johnson and all the other changes. Got some changes on defense, too. Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, everybody's focus is on offense, and rightfully so. It's it's what will a Connor Riley-led offense look like, um, and especially with Avery Johnson at the helm as well. Look, I know that there's going to be a lot of interest in um, seeing Avery throw it a little bit more and maybe get a, a little bit better preview of 2024 and, and other years beyond that to come. 
um, with Avery Johnson under center. But, you know, the more I sit back and think about it, the more, you know, you, you watch a little bit more of NC State and you wonder if this isn't a game that, you know, K-State just, especially with Connor Riley, knowing what he has in the trenches, knowing what he has in DJ Giddens uh, and Avery Johnson, who, let's be honest, Fitz, you can talk about w- whether Joe Jackson's going to be the backup running back or Jordan Shippers or Jimmy White. Avery Johnson's the backup running back, right? Uh, and, you know, I, I think it would maybe be smart of K-State to just see what they can do on the ground first and then see, you know, what you do with Avery Johnson through the passing attack. But uh, obviously a guy like Jace Brown is somebody that, you know, when he first arrived on campus, latched himself to. And so those two, um, when it comes to passing timing, they're going to be on. You know, I think even he and Keegan Johnson are going to be on because, again, Keegan, uh, even though we all expected him to be the number one guy, in the early weeks, he wasn't. I think he was probably doing a little bit more time in practice with Avery uh, than he probably was with Will until he got healthy. So timing-wise, excited to see what those guys can do with Avery. But also, I, if I'm Connor Riley, man, I just stick to the ground game and see how far it takes me. On defense, obviously, um, a, a lot more interesting, right, with some of the pieces um, that have departed, but namely Kobe Savage. That'll be the big one, and I'll be curious to see – if Brennan Armstrong and, and Robert and I and that NC State offense maybe pick on uh, the middle of that, of that secondary a little bit, sounds like, if I had to guess, it'll be maybe Colby McAllister um, from what we're hearing from Cole, uh, Cole Carmody's coverage and Zach Carlson down there in Orlando that Joe Klanderman said that, that he noted that as being one player that he feels very confident in in that role. Uh, so that'll be an area that I'll, I'm interested to see. But, you know, by and large, I think preparation has been probably a little bit easier fits for NC State. I think for the most part, K-State's defense has had less to kind of tinker with and, uh, you know, adjust to with uh, some new parts. Uh, But with the K-State offense, I think that that's definitely been an area that uh, you could easily argue K-State's offense has had to go through more preparation, more adjustment and transition than any of the other uh, phases for K-State or NC State. Okay, let's turn our attention to the Wolfpack, uh, a pretty darn good football team out of the ACC. Also missing their star player, Peyton Wilson, their weak side mm-hmm. linebacker, has opted out, among others. Um, give me your overall thoughts on this team, K-State. We'll see. Yeah, the more I watched of them here uh, since getting back from the holidays, uh, good news and bad news, I got I got some Iowa State vibes <laughs> from this team. Uh, good news in that that's K-State's most recent opponent. Granted, it's been about a month by the time they lace them up. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I think they've got maybe some better athletes. But uh, overall, you look at the blueprint, and it's, it's a team that's led – largely by their defense uh, and, and a strong defense, one that is um, seasoned where it needs to be. Although I think, you know, we talk a lot about Will, K-State having to move on from Will Howard, K-State not having Treshawn Ward, um, K-State not having Phillip Brooks. Uh, you go down the list and I, I think if there's any one player that probably means more and, and will be the biggest adjustment for a team to make, it would be NC State losing Peyton Wilson. For those K-State fans that, you know, have been a little bit busy, right, with the holidays and haven't dug into the Wolfpack a lot, Peyton Wilson is the generic winner in college football this year. I mean, he was the number one player, uh, if you go by collegiate awards, in, in college football. And so a lot of NC State's defensive strengths, statistically anyway, have been propelled by Peyton Wilson. Fitz, he was the leader in tackles. He was the leader in tackles for loss. Tied for the team lead in interceptions. Tied for the team lead in quarterback hurries. Second in sacks and second in PBUs. The guy did it all for Tony Gibson's defense. Uh, They're going to replace him with a guy named Kamal Bonner, 6'2", 195, true freshman that has played in four games this season. Uh, They've got some guys around Bonner that will be able, I think, to – you know, ease him in a little bit, but there is no question what NC State will be missing and will be without uh, with Peyton Wilson, sounds like on the sidelines, uh, as he opted out of the Pop-Tarts Bowl to get ready for the NFL draft. But, you know, overarching theme with NC State, I think it's an offense that I I think you could argue has turned the corner a little bit, certainly riding this five-game win streak. I think they've gotten into Robert and I's, uh, what I've 
kind of read between the lines as a complicated scheme to kind of pick up. And I think they started to master that down the stretch. And then a defense, like I said, that is just very stout, but will be without their best player and their quarterback in Peyton Wilson. Offensively, Brendan Armstrong is a little bit of everything. He's a southpaw. Um, Where do you see this offense? I think Armstrong is a guy you would have thought would have started a little bit quicker considering that he knew Robert and I's offense from the past. He's a Virginia transfer. That's where Robert and I was initially, then went to brief stint at Syracuse before landing uh, at NC State. Uh, And for whatever reason, out of the gate, uh, it just didn't work out. And I think part of that had to do a little bit with the offensive line. I think the Wolfpack was without uh, one or two of their interior starters for kind of that the opening hiccup stretch and uh, Armstrong was kind of out of his rhythm and ended up getting benched. And then he came back and played much better down the stretch, but they moved around Jacarius, Jacarius peak. Um, uh, he's now, I believe at right tackle flip from left tackle to right tackle midpoint of the season. And that seemed to make a huge difference for the offensive line. And thus Brennan Armstrong being able to do what he does best. And that is be both versatile with his, with his uh, feet and through the air. But it's an offense that uh, for as much ground, I think, as they've made in the last five weeks and they've gotten some of their younger playmakers involved, it's still very much led by this tremendous freshman, Casey Concepcion. Um, He was a talented guy coming out of high school that NC State was able to land. And Fitz, he is, to me, a combination of like a Tavon Austin and a Rondale Moore. Uh, in the sense with, with, I go to Tavon Austin because he's dynamic with the ball and you're going to see him line up really an equal amount at receiver at slot receiver, as you will in the backfield, they will use him as a running back and use him as a running back often. And not just on jet sweeps as a true running back. And so that's where the Tavon Austin part comes. And then Rondale Moore in the sense that I think he's a pretty skilled receiver uh, and has a dynamic route tree for a guy. He's not just a one-trick pony. He's not just a, you know, kind of a scat back guy that they'll get out in the flat and then, you know, let him go. I mean, he can do a little bit of everything at receiver, but they use him uh, just an awful, awful lot. He's got nine, 65 receptions on 95 targets. Uh, the next closest receiver that NC State has used this year, 28 receptions on 47 targets. I mean, when I say they go to KC Concepcion a lot, they go to him an awful lot. Um, Kendrick Raphael is a dynamic running back that they've started to mix in a little bit more. Former Iowa commit that NC State flipped uh, creates a lot of missed tackles for a young guy, and they'll get him involved. But if you want to talk about taking away two guys, without a doubt, I would, I'll be interested to see how much emphasis Joe Klanderman puts on Concepcion, one, uh, and then – kind of limiting what Brennan Armstrong can do with his feet because they want to do both phases of the game with him. They want to be able to get him running, keep the defense honest, and then open things up through the air. Uh, If if K-State can start to limit Concepcion a little bit as a receiver and then start to limit Brennan Armstrong as a runner, I think that that puts this NC State offense really against it because they're not known for moving the ball uh, through the air or really through the ground. you know, in a lightning pace or anything that's going to scare K-State to a level they haven't seen already. Uh, my comparison might be um, more about how he's used by NC State. It reminded mm-hmm. me of Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, except the receiver version. Right. Deuce would go out and play some receiver, but he, and Concepcion moves in to play some running back. But uh, when you're a program like K-State or NC State, and this is what I like about this matchup, when you got a dude, yeah, you get the ball to the dude. And if you're a Texas or, you know, maybe a Florida state, you got a number of dudes and you're constantly trying to balance things and you really don't carve out the same offensive identity as you do with a program that is hyper-focused on, we're going to build this offense around this guy. Right. Uh, and and that's what I see them doing. I like it. I Kid's really good. I mean, my goodness, he can run. Um, and like you said, if they throw the ball to him, he's going to catch it. So it's, it's a real uh, point of uh, – an issue for K-State. Well, and one other thing that I should have thrown in there, too, when you talk about this offense is that it is it is hard to just take those guys away. And that's why I'm interested yeah. to see what Klanderman does, because Robert and I, Fitz, when I watched what NC State did at the latter half of the season, um, because I think that's where you need to watch the games and not worry about where they were when they were having their hiccups in the early part of the season. It, it's got a little bit of 
Andy Kotelnicki flair to it in the sense that there's going to be a lot of pre-snap movement and motions. And so it'll be hard for a guy like Joe Klanerman to just say, okay, we're going to put two guys on Concepcion because they're going to move him around a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they're going to do a lot of other things with their wide receivers too. A huge game. And I will get to it on K-State's offense too. An absolutely huge game fits for uh, just K-State overall in communication, both on offense and defense. They've got to get themselves properly aligned on both sides of the ball before the snap is even delivered. That's my big concern right there, brother. I mean, when you add young guys in, I'm not as worried about them post-snap as pre-snap being in the right place uh, and figuring out where they're supposed to be. But I also think uh, having you know so many veterans around them, like Austin Moore, might help this case yeah. defense. Special teams, anything jump out at you in special teams? Well, I mean, they're, it's kind of a tale of two sides for North Carolina State. They've got a top 25 kick return offense. Uh, obviously, when you've got a guy like Concepcion and some other you know, talented players that can uh, do some things with the ball in their hand, they, they've got some ability on both kick return and punt return. But I think the kick return unit particularly stands out for me. But then on the flip side of that, you look at their kick return defense, uh, and it's one of the worst in the country, 120th, nearly 25 yards per return on average. So uh, obviously K-State will be having to do a lot of that without Phillip Brooks, um, without a guy like Treshawn Ward. But, you know, I think that there's enough in the stable that we might be able to get a little bit of a dose of the future and still, uh, you know, have some guys like Seth Porter and those types that, Again, when you talk about getting guys aligned and having proper blocks and assignments, Matthew Mashmeyer, uh, you know, Ty Bowman, some good guys on K-State special teams that I think that will be an interesting dynamic. Not as much, I think, with the kicking um, with the specialists themselves, but in terms of the return units, that could be an area that, you know, maybe gives uh, either offense a little bit of slight edge in terms of field position. If you had to play a bowl game uh, and throw a bunch of young guys into the mix – uh, thankfully it's this one and not last season with Alabama, but yeah, that's true. Um, I feel like this is a good measuring stick. This is a really comparable team to a lot of big 12 teams. I think it's a good place to start for this young group. Absolutely. And when you talk about K-State's offense and preparing for the NC State defense, it's led by Tony Gibson. Uh, some folks that are really dialed into the Big 12 right, might remember that name, right? Because he spent numerous years at West Virginia with the Dana Holgerson staff. And so he's going to run that kind of, 335 that's now become popular, but in that West Virginia style that we remember for many, many years, you know, I'm thinking the Will Greer years, right? And it's heavy pressure. Um, and that's where, again, I go back to the communication side. And that's, again, where I think it, it benefits K-State, um, not only to what you're saying in terms of kind of the talent level, although, I, you know, NC State's as hot as any team going into the postseason right now. Um, but also in the terms of K-State getting the, their entire offensive line to say, we're going to give this one more game. Because when you look at what Tony Gibson and this defense does, they have, they're one of the best teams in, in sacks, top 20 in team sacks. And like I said, with, with Peyton Wilson on the field, they're top 15, top 10, top 20 in a lot of different categories. Without him, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that changes. But in terms of what they want to do with pressure, uh, it's a very individually talented defensive line with those three guys up front, though they're breaking in a new nose guard in this game. But really their pressure comes from all, all phases. Uh, they're going to constantly have middle linebackers and weak side and Sam linebackers up on the line of scrimmage. So Avery Johnson's going to need that offensive line. And like I said, having Cooper Beebe say, I'm coming back for this one is absolutely huge. This is a game yeah. where you need an offensive line to be in sync, to be able to see where things are and point them out to their freshman quarterback. Um, so that'll be something to watch early on. But yeah, you're right, Fitz. It's, a, it's going to be a game where I think K-State has the opportunity to do some things uh, at full strength. You know, if you had a Ben Sennett, this is a great, great game for a guy like mm-hmm. Ben Sennett because I think you can attack uh, the weak link in this uh, NC State defense, certainly without Peyton Wilson, is it linebacker and trying to get some mismatches there. I really like their corners, like their safeties. They're going to have to get a little bit more from Boykin, uh, a seasoned vet who's going to you know take the spot uh, of a, a player that they lost in the transfer portal. So they'll they'll lean on him a little bit more. Um, but again, I, I think it'll be a, a good game, a tough matchup for the receivers. But Fitz, like you said, not one that isn't a game that, that that they're outmatched. It'll just be about 
you know, getting these guys in rhythm with Avery Johnson um, and getting everything going and seeing really which team can settle in a little bit and which team seems motivated fits. I think for a lot of postseason games, it's about motivation. And I think that there there's a solid argument that can be made on both sides that you've got two teams that are really, really hungry to finish this season out with a win for NC State. It's about getting to you know, double digit wins and and having one of their most productive seasons in a long time. There's a lot of juice around NC State football right now, especially coming off what they did in signing day. And there's a lot of juice with Kansas State about seeing what 2024 holds a lot to play for on both sides in Orlando. I, in some ways, feel like fans are more excited about this game because of the changes that we've moved on to 2024. I mean, there's there's no way to deny that. And I think even Chris Kleiman recognizes that. But uh, can the hype machine, the optimism, the hopes and dreams of K-State Nation weigh too heavy on Avery Johnson in this game? Or you know him better than me, but the, the way the time we've been around him, this is a cool kid that just doesn't get rattled. He was a great leader. He's mature beyond his years by far. I mean, he's he's already the leader as a true freshman in that locker room. It's absolutely incredible. Will he be able to rise to this moment? I I think so. And I think for two reasons, I think the first is just what he brings to the table as an athlete. I'm, you can't convince me that NC state has seen anything like that. And I don't mean that in the sense of what the ACC is versus the big 12. I just mean, there aren't a lot of quarterbacks that have been on NC state's schedule. You think about the players that they've, that that they've seen, right. You know, Sam Hartman, uh, Cade Klubnik, um, uh, and I'm, I'm embarrassed. Drake may, I was going to say, I'm blanking on the NC state, uh, quarterback's name, uh, Tyler Van Dyke at Miami. And there's, there's nobody really that they've seen that brings the just unbelievable playmakability with his feet that Avery Johnson will have that will truly test this NC state defense. But beyond that fits, I go back to, and I, I realize it's high school football, but in the state of Kansas for three years straight, it did not get any bigger than Mays Derby. It just didn't. And anybody that was at those games understands what I'm talking about. And every single one of those games was down to the wire. And two of them I was uh, present at, blessed to be there for, because they were some of the best high school games I've ever seen. And Avery Johnson was as cool as a cucumber in both of those games. Uh, Even the one where they didn't win. I mean, he had Mays in a position to win with the ball. And then in the one where they did win that I was there for, he was the guy that led him down the field when they were facing a deficit. Uh, This is what he lives for. This is what he's been groomed for. And I'm just excited beyond belief, uh, regardless of whether it's a win or loss, just to see him have an opportunity to be the guy uh, I don't want to say in a meaningless game, right? It's very, it is meaningful for all the reasons that I was just alluding to, but in a game that at the end of the day, he can go back and use as, as homework for the 2024 right. season. So excited to see what he can do down in Orlando. And I, I think he's absolutely ready. And I think he's excited. I would say it's more excitement than nerves for Avery Johnson. He'll get out there, take those first snaps. And the other thing here too, fits is it's not a, a typical freshman. Um, in the sense of it, this isn't going to be his first time out. First time out in a couple of weeks, you know, since they decided to go strictly with Will Howard to finish the season. But, you know, it's not like it's going to be his first time out on the field. So uh, in terms of that, I, I even don't think it's it's nearly as, as nerve-wracking as maybe it would be for another freshman. I am fired up. I think K-State Nation's fired up. And I'm fired up for the Fitzcast. This, this could be total <laughs> chaos. Yeah, it is. It's, it's going to be fun. Wally, appreciate it very much with your scout of the Wolfpack. This is a great bowl matchup, two ranked teams in Orlando. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one, Fitz. Looking forward to it. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Two segments down, one to go. Cooper Beebe 
will join us in just a moment with an interview we recorded before the team left for Orlando. And I think you're going to enjoy what the consensus All-American Offensive Guard had to say about this season and the Cats in this game as his career wraps up. He's seeing it through to the very end. No opting out for this potential day one NFL pick. Cooper Beebe is playing. He's a go along with the rest of that offensive line. And after Cooper, we're going to bring in Ryan Gills Gilbert to talk about some of those betting lines out there. We appreciate Gills making time for us. This was actually recorded before Christmas, before he headed home for a quick holiday and returning here. And reminder, we're all going to be on the Fitzcast for the game. Come on over to YouTube. Come check us out. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. It starts at 4.30 Central on Thursday, December 28th. You have to watch the game on your own device. We can't broadcast the game, but we will have a running commentary throughout. If you're interested, please stop by and say hello. I think we're going to have some fun with it. Now let's get to Cooper Beebe, but first your reminder that we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor, and a proud one at that of the Powercat pregame podcast. Now let's go to Cooper Beebe, followed by our own Ryan Gilbert. Now there's coaches and there's teammates, but there's something inside of you that drive. What, what are your attributes that's made you so successful? Um, I think it's just just the way you know I work. Um, I, I understand you know n- nothing has been given to me in my career, man. I, I had to earn it. Um, you know, it's just a, a test to you know all the hard work I put in. You know, all the all the tough days. You know, tough runs, tough workouts. You know, tough games. Just continuing to go. I think is the biggest thing for me. You know, it. You know, when stuff got tough, you know, you, you push through it. And you know, I I've just been you know truly blessed to be here to be around great people, great coaches, great players that you know have pushed me to strive to be who I am today. When you hear Cooper Beebe, one of the all-time greats at Kansas State, what do you think about? Um, honestly, it's this surreal feeling, you know, growing up, you know, watching, you know, a lot of a lot of great K-State players just to be, you know, among those names, it, it's such an honor. And, and I know some, you know, I'll look back, you know, I'll take my kids back back here one day and, and just show them, you know, hey, you, your dad was pretty good here. And um, it's just such an honor. I know that I know that you kind of came back to put yourself in discussion for the Ring of Honor, and clearly, probably did that. Do you approach this bowl game like perhaps your final game because of that? Um, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I I already know that you know after this, I'm I'm gonna head on to the NFL, um, and you know I'm enjoy you know one one last ride with my teammates. Um, I know it's probably not gonna the team ain't gonna look the same. There's gonna be young guys, but you know there's a lot to lots enjoy, and I'm excited to see a lot of these young guys you know step out there you know for maybe the first time and, and see what they can do. And there is Ryan Gilbert right there in the corner where he belongs. How you doing, Gills? Good. How you doing, boss man? I'm good. I'm good. We're recording this before Christmas, so let me just ask you this. Did you have a good Christmas? I hope I did. I hope you okay. had a good Christmas as well. I'm sure I did. Every Christmas knows, is good. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not about what you get, Ryan Gilbert. It's what you give. And, and you're I'm about giving ready- you my time on this. Yes, podcast. you're, and plus you're about ready to give some kick butt gambling advice. Hey, uh, we've got a limited options here, and I also uh, did not put the Liberty Bowl in our picks because nobody, nobody wants to do that. No, nobody's going to bet Iowa State. I don't even know who they're playing. So I saw Iowa State, and I said no. Uh, so let's start with the Alamo Bowl, which I don't know if you prepared for this or not. Uh, but Arizona is a two and a half point favorite over Oklahoma. Now, the question I posed at the start of this segment was, is this a Pac-12 versus Big 12 game or a Big 12 versus SEC game? Uh, I don't know if this is one that really matters, right? Like Texas is like, okay, if they do good, that's a Big 12 game. Right. If not, then that's an SEC game. But so, I don't know. You bring Big up 12 fans sh- should probably cheer for Arizona, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. See, that's I, that kind of makes me feel like they're in the Big Twelve and OU's in the SEC. I was a little bit surprised by this spread, but keeping in mind Dylan Gabriel is gone for the Sooners. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, both of these teams, Fitz. I did do a little research. You're Thank welcome. You. Um, so good. Both these teams were good as far as the betting you know area goes this year. Arizona was ten and two against the spread. Oklahoma was eight and four. 
against the spread. But obviously, you mentioned no Dylan Gabriel. And so for that reason alone, I'd probably lead Arizona. Um, their quarterback, Noah Fafita, is uh, the sixth ranked <laughs> the sixth ranked quarterback in terms of QBR in the whole country this year. And so he's a young guy. And so uh, I would have to go with Arizona. And obviously, you know, both teams have shown they're capable. But when you lose a quarterback like that, that's going to that's going to change your team. When Kansas State played UCLA many bowls ago, I I was able to interview Jed Fish just briefly at you know the bowl prep stuff, and I was really impressed with him. So I am not surprised by what Arizona is doing right here. It's it's kind of amazing the way they've uh, surged at exactly the right time as they head into the Big Twelve. Now let's get to the big show, the playoff games. We got Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Thank you, Daphne. As a one and a half point favorite over Alabama, I was a little bit surprised by this. Um, do you really feel like Michigan is favored over Alabama, or are they just trying to get the SEC people to bet? I I like Bama here. Um, yeah, I do too. I I uh, Michigan hasn't really faced a team like Alabama yet, right? You know, no. most Big Ten teams want to just attack the intermediate passing game. I think Milrow is going to really attack it deep. Um, against against Michigan. That's what he excels at doing. He likes to take his chances. Michigan just hasn't seen that. And also, what he can do with his legs, I don't think Michigan's faced as good of a, a running quarterback as maybe Milrow presents. And so I think Michigan's on upset alert here. I guess it's not really a, a big upset when you look at the betting line, but, you know, one, one against four, right? Yeah. Um, I think the SEC, I know we like to bash on it, Fitz, but... Um, I don't want to call the Big Ten overrated, anything like that, but I think the I think the SEC is going to pick up a win here with a chip on its shoulder. I like Alabama. Daphne's trying to bark. She's she's got something on her mind. I, I saw you muted your your mic. Yeah, this is the perils <laughs> of the cats and dogs studio. Um, okay, let's move to the one that does involve a current Big Twelve school. We're going to claim them for the purposes of of maybe they'll win. Uh, Texas, I love this game, by the way. I think these are the two best teams in the playoff. Texas, though, uh, at the three seed is a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington, the two seed. I thought that was interesting. And the Sugar Bowl, give me your thoughts on this one. Well, good teams find ways to win games, and so I'll, I'll give Washington credit here. But nine games in a row, they've won by 10 points or less, and so I just fear that Washington's luck might be running out here. It's interesting. You look back to last year, TCU did this seven games in a row where it had uh, wins by 10 points or less. And obviously that changed um, towards the end of the season. I think they blew out Iowa State and then, of course, lost to Kansas State in the championship game. But, um, you know, we, you know, on one hand, you look at TCU fits and what they did in the semifinal game last year was great. But then you look at the finals and they get blown out. And so Whatever side you want to be on there, I'm not saying one's right or the other. I just lean that Washington's luck is going to run out here sooner yeah. rather than later. But again, you know they could they could be playing with house money and and go out and win. Yep, I'm I'm impressed by Texas when they want to play. I think they're the best team in the nation, but they don't always show up at full force. It kind of takes some time off in a lot of games. They haven't last few. Kansas State, as we turn our attention to the Pop Tarts Bowl, is a two and a half point favorite over NC State. The over-under is 46.5. Uh, as we start with these actual lines, well, what are your thoughts on on the point total or even the spread for K-State? Seems like a low number, right, Fitz? I mean, yeah. for college football in general, that's very low. Um, that's more of an average NFL number than anything. But I, I think I, it makes sense. I'll talk about some of the um, strategies with rushing, you know, running the yeah. football for Kansas State. I think that's probably going to favor – a lower scoring game. So I get it. It makes sense, but certainly a low number, but K-State being favored here um, shouldn't be too much of a shock, should it? No, no. I think even with Avery Johnson, there's some respect here, but NC State's yeah. defense, even though they've lost their top player, uh, is really good. Uh, so it's going to be a challenge. Uh, there, As we record this, there's no prop bets out on on the services we're following, but give me some of your ideas on on where people might be looking for a good prop bet when they show up. So I mentioned, you know, I just said K-State running the football. Um, Connor Riley, right, calling the yep. plays or being the coordinator, so to speak, in this game. Uh, it, come on, Fitz, right? I didn't take a yeah. brainiac to, to, to think that K-State's going to have an emphasis on running the football. And you also look at 
um, the offensive line coming back from from last year. You know, this is kind of the the grand finale for this group that wanted to spend one more year together. And so I really see K-State wanting to run the football in this game, you know, averaging nearly 200 yards a game on the ground this season. K-State, I mean, that's kind of where its bread is going to get buttered, especially with Avery Johnson at quarterback. Now, you mentioned it, NC State, third best in the ACC, but they did just lose um, Peyton Wilson, who opted out of this game, their best linebacker and probably their best defender on the entire team. K-State, I think, can make them pay there. So I don't know if you want to go Avery Johnson. That's certainly going to be the most popular player to, to bet on, I, I'm sure, with running the football. Maybe have him score a touchdown. That's that's certainly, I would think, going to be plus money. Or do you want to go DJ Giddens, right? I mean, he's going to he's gonna get a good chunk of the carries, and you'll, you'll certainly be able to find a prop bet for Giddens out there. If you can find a Joe Jackson one fits, why not? I mean, I don't know what book you're using or, or whatnot, but if you see him, um, you know, K-State showed this year that they want to go with um, sort of a two-back system. Now that Treshawn Ward is out, do they just give it to Giddens and say, hey, this is all you? Or do they want to keep that consistency, um, not too much, not put too much on Giddens' plate and just say, hey, we're going to give Jackson 10, 15 carries. Um, so I don't, I don't know which one specifically I'd love, but I would definitely hone in on some rushing bets for Kansas State. You just look at everything going on with the offense. Um, Avery Johnson's certainly going to, you know, I think they're going to give him his chances to air it out. But by and large, um, Connor Riley, everything just kind of comes together here for K-State to go run-centric here um, against NC State. So, yeah, I just I think that that's probably the, yeah, the I play agree in, in my mind. A couple other ones without Phillip Brooks and RJ Garcia. Um, there's some slot opportunities for K-State at the wideout position. Jace Brown, I think, is without, even without those players opting out, um, or, or leaving, transferring. Jace Brown's poised for a big game, but now that, you know, his, his uh, you know, it's going to be on him to make some plays in this game without a couple of those key players. And, um, you know, again, even without, even if those players were playing, you know, who does Avery Johnson have the best chemistry with? Who has he taken the most reps with in practice, you know, as the twos earlier on in the season, so to speak? That's Jace Brown. And so those two, I think, are going to find each other um, so I love Jace Brown and also love a lot of rushing bets for K-State as well. Not one specifically, but yeah, a lot. No, I, I love your point with Connor Riley and, you know, prop bets are kind of hit and miss for some of these games, whether they're offered or not. And this one won't be offered, but I would probably take the over on first quarter run total for K-State. I think Connor Riley, um, being kind of a traditionalist, he might throw the ball a lot in this game, but I think he's going to want to come out and run the ball and establish that veteran offensive line as a dominant force. I, I just think that's a sound plan to start with, but I yeah. think that's the way he'll go. He's not going to come out chucking it all over the field unless they have to, unless they're just take, totally taking away the run. And also, I mean, Avery Johnson, first career start, do you really want to have him go out there, you know, on the first play of the game and air it out deep? Let him, you know, let him settle in. Those nerves can calm down and then get him going later on in the game through the year. But early on, yeah, Fitz established that run. Yeah, throw some screen passes or a little bubble action out on the edge and let him get into a rhythm. Ron Gilbert, you're a smart man. I I, I appreciate your input here. How about those Steelers? How about them? Okay, that's enough of you. <laughs> Ryan Gilbert, go away. I don't even I don't even like you. Go away. I appreciate you joining me though. I don't like you either, but I'll get I'll get out of here now. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert, for taking some time over the holidays to tape this edition of the show. We hope we've gotten you ready for the game as best we can. Still to come is my one thing to watch in the contest, and that contest is the Pop-Tarts Bowl between NC State and Kansas State, December 28th. It's a Thursday. Kicking off at 5.45 p.m. local time out in Orlando, and of course that's 4.45 in Central, and we will be starting the Fitzcast at 4.30. Make sure you join us right here on this YouTube channel or on Twitter. The Fitzcast will be the four of us on this podcast watching along at home on our own devices. We can't broadcast the game. And you can watch us watch the game while you watch the game and everyone watches. That's how it works. We'll see if we have uh, success with it. If it's a disaster, if it's fun, we'll find out. The Fitzcast starting at 4.30 on Thursday Central Time. The Cats and the Wolfpack. How do these teams fit together? Well, NC State's a really good defense. 
missing their All-American at weak side linebacker. K-State's been a really good offense this season, missing the guy who started at quarterback all season long and Will Howard. Avery Johnson takes over for the Cats, and there's a reason why he's the only man standing of the players that were eligible to play this past season. Everyone left because they could see the writing on the wall. Avery was going to be the starter for 2024 and beyond, and as it turns out, he'll finish up 2023. But here's your one thing to watch. Can Avery Johnson, this veteran offensive line, and some young weapons, as some veterans have also opted out of this bowl game at tight end and receiver, can they move the ball consistently against a very sound NC State defense? Now, Connor Riley, the offensive line coach for Kansas State, will be calling the plays for the first time. So there's a lot of things that have to fall in place for this to be a successful offensive outing, particularly with so many young guys, including the quarterback. Keep your eye on K-State's ability to do what it wants to do offensively because NC State's going to put up one heck of a challenge. That's it for this edition of the PowerCat Pregame Podcast. Make sure you join us for the Fitzcast, and we hope we got you ready for this game. It's the Cats and Wolfpack in the Pop-Tarts Bowl right there in Orlando. We won't be there, so I won't see you there, but I appreciate you watching. Next season, I will see you at the Bill. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost. Everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.